Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, most of us have been affected by cancer in one way or another, helping a family member through treatment or seeing a friend or family member receive a disheartening diagnosis, even having a cancer scare yourself. A cancer diagnosis often brings up a lot of emotions. That's right, John. You know, an estimated 27,900 Canadians are diagnosed with breast cancer each year, and thousands more are living with the disease. And why this is important to me, a close family member was diagnosed a few years ago and and still dealing with the repercussions today. So in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, today on Ready, Set, Retire, we're going to concentrate on the ladies. We're going to discuss what makes women's investing experiences unique. We're going to talk about common traits of female investors, retirement planning, discretionary management, and dealing with the death of a spouse, and so much more. So when it comes to investing, what are some of the common traits of Female investors, Lori. Well, women think differently than men about their finances, which can work to their advantage in the long term. Women tend to be more goal-oriented than men. But in my experience, women think about money in terms of not just safety and security, but more so, am I able to afford the renovation for my house? Am I able to afford travel and retirement. Those are the the answers that they're looking for when I'm sitting across the desk from them. Women tend to be more aware of risk. And why I word it that way, when it comes to investing, it's often said that women take fewer risks than men, which is a common misconception. It's not that women don't like risk, it's that they're more aware of risk. And the reality is that the tendency to take risk is mainly related to someone's stage of life, social group, or professional situation, or as I often say, their investor personality, how they were raised, what their relationship with money was and is. And that, to me, tells me where they are on the risk scale and not just their gender. So you just want to make sure... And what I make sure as a financial advisor, that we don't pigeonhole women as a certain way, because as we know, there's no one person that's the same as the next. And it's important to have those conversations to really figure out where they are on that risk scale. So what kind of female clients do you find yourself dealing with the most? What's the common background of those clients? I would say women who have recently lost a spouse. Women generally live longer than men, not always. So I'm often helping women in that situation, whether they were current clients or someone's called from the radio and, you know, they've just found themselves in that uh, unfortunate situation. Uh, Life expectancy for women is 84. For men, it's 79 or 80. Many live longer, as I still talk about Oma, Oma was 103. Women who lose their spouse are often overwhelmed. They're devastated. The last thing they want to worry about is their money. And some women have not been involved in the decision-making as much or just simply weren't interested in it. So they left a lot up to their husband to do in in terms of that. So again, our job is to make that transition as smooth as possible so they can concentrate on themselves, their family as they go through a situation like that. 
Another type of woman that we find ourselves dealing with is one that is managing their aging parents' wealth or have recently inherited wealth. And many women are often in charge of their aging parents' finances, and they may have never been in this position before. And some of them have really not managed their own money that much. They may have not had a big account or anything like that. And all of a sudden, they're managing their parents' accounts or one of their parents' accounts, and they're finding it very difficult. And so again, if you find yourself in that situation, you need to have a good financial team around you, providing proper advice, and of course, money management. And making sure that the parent's wealth is being cared for as well as it can be. Because often, even if one child, adult child, is left in charge of the parent's wealth, there might be other siblings to answer to. So you have more responsibility even than you thought you did. How much does divorce play in uh, women who come to see you for financial advice? I mean, divorce obviously is a parent in today's society. I mean, 40% of marriages end in divorce now. And it's important to recognize some of the financial realities to minimize any financial disadvantages that may come out of it. Again, with the age group that I deal with, you know, 55 to kind of 95, often if there was a divorce, it probably already happened, I would say, you know, so they might be on their second marriage, but that second marriage may already be 30 years. It does happen, silver divorces, but again, they're rare and we have the ability to walk people through that as well. And then there's also women who are business owners or who have been professionals all their lives. And again, they're looking for different advice too. They're wondering, how do I retire? How do I sell my business? And I think it's really important that they have the right financial advisor that's taken them seriously and understanding that they have built their own wealth and they need to transition into retirement. They may have different needs than their male counterparts. So is there a difference between financial planning for men and then for women? Yeah, I I mean, as you know, we talked about, I think the financial planning differs because they're going to be likely, not always, living longer. And I will say, John, that men are always shocked when their spouse passes away before they do. It's it's not something that they've even thought about. That's a possibility. But I have seen it happen uh, numerous times. And so, you know, if women are living longer, we want to make sure that their retirement is also taken care of of that they have enough funds till the end of their days so that they don't have stresses later on in life. So that's why we spend so much time doing those financial plans. And as I talked about, women spend more time as caretakers to children, aging parents. And I think that's important to note because women are generally performing a lot of time-consuming and less flexible tasks when it comes to their families. And sometimes they then have contributed less to CPP, for example, right? Because they took some time off or maybe never went back. And I think that's um, something that needs to be included in the financial plan. And um, again, just having that open communication and conversation, especially when women may not be as involved with their finances as um, their spouses are. And so just to make them feel comfortable that they're able to ask any question that they need to in terms of financial planning. So does the uh, issue of time and time management uh, play into this? Does it make uh, discretionary management more attractive to female investors? Definitely. You know, women wear many hats. They're workers, they're parents, they're caregivers, they're homemakers, and there's so much more. And with so many things going on in life, it can be easy to put your family's financial planning on the back burner. And even if you do manage to take care of the finances, 
you can often feel like you're just trying to get your head above water probably day to day and not really thinking about the future as much as you maybe would normally. And so what's important is that you're dealing with a discretionary manager, so they are able to make the day-to-day decisions for you. You don't want to have a financial advisor calling you on every buy and sell they're making in a portfolio when you're trying to deal with all these other things that are going on. So again, you want to make sure it's someone that you trust, someone that's capable, knowledgeable. And and what I've also seen, actually, John, just as a side note here, um, in the case of divorce, a lot of women don't want to deal with the same financial advisor that their husband dealt with. And so that is a call that we get because they don't feel comfortable. It's just too close to home. And so they end up finding a new financial advisor. And I think that's warranted. I Even though there's strict confidentiality, I think just, again, to make yourself feel comfortable. And, and also, depending on who found that financial advisor, you want to make sure that it's a right fit for you. So if your spouse had searched out the financial advisor, it may not be the right fit for you at this point if you're going through a divorce or even the death of a spouse could be the same situation that they seek out advice from another financial advisor. So again, you just want to make sure it's someone that you're comfortable with and that they're looking at all different aspects of your finances and making sure you're organized, making sure they're talking about updating your will, you're having a power of attorney, getting a financial plan done, all of those things. It's interesting. I hadn't uh, that hadn't crossed my mind that uh, a spouse would want to change financial planners because the other spouse had set it up and maybe was looking after it for all those years, what have you. Yeah, it's a good point. Interesting point. You mentioned that women tend to live longer than men. So, how do you financially prepare for the death of a spouse? You can definitely prepare financially better than mentally, that's for sure, because it's just such a difficult situation when people have been together so long. It's very common in any partnership to divide and conquer, but this can lead to one spouse being kind of excluded from the investment decisions as we were talking about. So one spouse might take charge, and I often see this of the budgeting and the kind of everyday needs of the household. And then the other might spend time following markets to a certain degree and and maybe talking to the financial advisor to talking to us more. And this isn't a bad thing as it allows each party to kind of play to their strengths, right, their interests even. But that can have some consequences because if one spouse passes, the process of taking over some of those tasks that the other spouse did can be daunting to some. And the best thing that you can do for your spouse is to involve them in the meetings and decision making, even if it's something they aren't interested in. Many spouses prepare a binder of all important documents, contacts, and accounts in case their spouse is ever left on their own. Because a lot of people think they have a chance that they're going to be able to say goodbye and organize their spouse who may not be following a lot of this stuff. But in reality, uh, things can happen quickly. And, you know, we've seen it, experienced it. And so it is important to make sure that spouse has uh, all the information necessary uh, or that you have all the information necessary. And again, you want to have a portfolio manager that's there to answer any questions, explain things in the way that you understand, because it might be different also. It is different for us, uh, for me, when I'm talking to somebody who isn't involved in markets, has never followed markets in their life versus somebody who follows markets on a regular basis or news around the world. 
because there's things that come up that could be overwhelming to the spouse that hasn't followed the investments for some time. Volatility in the markets could spook them, for example. So again, you want to just make sure that uh, you're able to have open communication. Do you always encourage both spouses to be involved at the beginning when you take on a new client? You make it a point to say, I'd really like your partner to be here as well? I do, but that's not always followed. It just can be somewhat of a lack of interest and, you know, they trust their spouse to do what they do. And, you know, they may not be thinking of it at age 60 that something could happen, for example. But, you know, I tend to bring it up and, you know, want at least during a financial plan. The portfolio reviews, like when we're talking about performance and markets and, you know, what's happening out there may not be as important for the spouse to be there as the financial planning aspect. So do you have enough to retire? Where's the income going to come from? All those sorts of things. So I think that's something that needs to be discussed at the beginning and then throughout the relationship with clients. Well, if it comes to pass that your spouse is the one who is responsible for the financial decisions in the household, then what? What should a person do? Well, again, it's important that you have that relationship with a trusted advisor to handle things in case your spouse is not around anymore. And it's common for widows to find themselves in a situation where they have no relationship with the old advisor, as I was saying. Maybe there's too much industry jargon being used, or again, it's just not a good fit. But again, if you can't have your questions answered in a way that you can understand, then it might be time to be looking for another advisor. And so things that you can ensure that you're involved in the investments, you know, be included on calls with the portfolio manager, having both spouses in the meeting, ask questions. And I know that the spouse that doesn't really follow markets feels comfortable asking me questions. And and I think that's important of all financial advisors to make sure that they're answering in a way that everybody can understand in the room. And again, finding the right relationship is critical with uh, the advisor or financial team. So remember, it's not just the financial advisor that I'm referring to. Often I'm talking about whether it's a lawyer, accountant, those types of individuals, the financial planner, that you want to make sure that you're able to understand all of them. And find an advisor that, again, addresses you and your partner equally, keeps your life circumstances and specific challenges in mind, understands your values and your attitude towards risk tailors the approach based on how you're feeling in terms of volatility in markets and things like that. I think all of those ideas need to be addressed, especially with a spouse or the person that may not be following the markets as much. I can hear one spouse say, well, you look after the finances because I wasn't very good at math. And you don't have to become a financial genius, a financial wizard to take more of a role in in your finances. I mean, that's what you do, but you you shouldn't exclude yourself because oh well, I I never liked talking about money or I don't I don't like math or I don't you know never was good at math etc. Because that's all the stuff that you take care of. But people should be involved in and have a, a, a good solid knowledge of what you are doing on their behalf. Yes, and I think that there's a few generations that I'm dealing with, and I would say. More often than not, some of those earlier generations, when we're talking about people in their 50s and 60s, and so a lot of women are taking charge of the finances overall. So things have changed a lot and, you know, have changed for me dealing with people over the last 24 years. So I I think it's important to also say that women have moved forward in many ways in terms of investing and 
they do want to learn more. They do want to be a part of it. And I, I think for those that are finding themselves in the 70s and 80s and maybe even 90s, when they have an advisor that's encouraging them to be there and to ask questions and, you know, be comfortable in the room, then that is very positive as well. So I think that women are moving in the right direction in terms of investing and what they're prepared to do and, and how much they've learned and increase their knowledge over time. And I think that's also important to address and especially that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and we know how many women that it does affect worldwide. And again, when we're talking about wealth, it's so important, John, also to talk about health because if you don't have your health, your wealth means nothing, as I said today on CKNW. And so it's really important to take care of your health as much as possible and make sure you're getting those checkups and any notice of changes, make sure you're going to the doctor and and just like a wealth checkup, think about the people you're dealing with. If you're happy with that, do you have that relationship that you want? and make sure that you're surrounded by good people at all times. Despite the tremendous progress women have made in the financial world over the last several decades, there's still some hurdles to overcome. It is each of our responsibilities to empower women and the future generation of women to make sound financial decisions and be part of the conversation. Exactly. Every woman, man, and person is different when it comes to investing and retirement planning but it's important to recognize the traits that make people unique so that, again, people like myself can better serve them now and in the future in terms of financial planning. And again, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month and on the topic of women's health and wealth, if you would like more information on how you can help, you can visit cancer.ca, the bccancerfoundation.com page, or breastcancerprogress.ca. Now, before we wrap things up, do you have a quote for us? I do. From Serena Williams, actually. The success of every woman should be an inspiration to the rest. Well, and speaking of being an inspiration to women and to all of us, I understand that uh, Pinkowski Wealth Management picked up some awards at a recent Canaccord conference in Toronto. Our team won the National Client Dedication Award from Canaccord. So that means basically we care about our clients more than anybody else. <laughs> so, Well, congratulations. That is awesome. Thanks. And yeah, we also got the Social Commitment Award for Western Division. That was for Ronald McDonald House. So that was good. Wow. Picking up awards left and right. And I was on a panel. <laughs> It was a Lori Pinkowski day. Uh, I don't. I don't know how everybody else felt. Um, but yeah, no. But you had a great time. Exactly. But I mean, that award is, as I said to my dean, not just for me, but it's for them. I mean, they put a lot of time and effort into to making sure clients uh, get everything they need. And so, yeah, sure. so that was pretty cool. Congratulations. It's an honor and Thank a pleasure you. to work with you. And we'll uh, cobble this together and do it again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, John. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.
The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and IROC.